Are you ready to generate way more leads with way less struggle? I have great news for you. I'm now accepting new students into High Performance Agent Academy. Inside the Academy, you'll get eight months of customized support from me and get access to my entire playbook, sales, marketing, social media, systems, all of it ready for you to copy and paste right into your business. Check the show notes for the link to learn more. We start on May 1st. If you didn't know this already, I'm in the middle of a three-part series addressing the question of, should I start a real estate team? This is episode two of three, which is all about dollars and cents and expectations. So if you've been hungry to figure out job descriptions, compensation plans, budgets, profit, and how to really hack together all of the numbers and the nitty gritty of building a team where everything functions, it's profitable, and you have a win-win arrangement with the people that you employ, this is the episode. Can't wait to dive in with you. Hey, my name's Tina Bellavo, and I am obsessed with all things real estate, growth, marketing, social media, technology, and team building. If you're an ambitious agent who's hungry to grow, work on your own terms, and build a thriving life outside of your business, this is the podcast for you. I got into real estate when I was 18 years old and grew my business from nothing through referrals and social media. And since then, I've built a top performing team and I've sold over 1,700 homes and $400 million in sales volume. In this podcast, I keep it real and I tell you exactly what I'm doing to sell tons of houses, lead my team, market my brand, grow my social following and database, and maintain incredible work-life balance. I'll never shy away from sharing my biggest mistakes as well as the juiciest parts of my secret sauce. Pull up a seat and get ready to learn and be inspired. This is the High Performance Agent Podcast with Tina Bellavo. Welcome back to the High Performance Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Bellavo, and we are knee deep in one of my favorite topics, which is should I build a real estate team? Now, this is episode two out of three in a three-part series. So if you haven't listened in the right order, I encourage you to go back to listen to part one and then pick up here with part two, because we are just going to be diving right in to the nitty-gritty of team building and really more like team planning is what I would say and having all of your ducks in a row, aka your dollars and cents and your expectations. These are things that don't give me a ton of energy to do or think about, but they are really important. It's like the putting your big girl boots on aspect of if you want to build a business, there's a bunch of stuff you're going to need to do that is not probably the fun part of being out in the field and making people happy and selling homes and fun, wild negotiations and all of that. It's the boring stuff like sitting down with a spreadsheet and drafting up some documents in Google Drive with your job descriptions and meeting with a lawyer and having them look over your agreements and make sure that everything you've put in writing is actually like appropriate and clear and legal in your state. Yay, but it's so important. And you can imagine why, because when you don't do things in the most like professional and organized way, it will come back and bite you in the bum. And I don't want any of you bitten in the bum. It's not necessary because it's all avoidable. So basically, just to recap, episode part one of this, I really talked about defining your value proposition, all of the things that you want to be able to give and offer to your team members, such as leads, leadership, 
training, administrative support, marketing services, systems, infrastructure, technology, all of the things that help your team members do their job, thrive, make money, and be happier being with you than if they were trying to figure all that out on their own. So that first part of this series was for you to really like get a clear picture of what you offer, what you can offer, and start making some plans off of that. And that's where I want to take this conversation now is, okay, like you've got a vision now of what your value proposition is going to be. So now let's get it into writing and clarify like what that means for everybody involved. So there's a couple things of what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about like expectations of basically depending on who you want to have in your team and when they need to have a job title and you need to know what their key responsibilities are and what, you know, what do you expect from them? What are you basically paying them to do? And what do they expect from you? What are you equipping them with to help them do their job or what benefits or levels of support or whatever the case may be are you providing? So really formalizing the value exchange essentially And then show me the money. (laughs) What are you paying them? In what format? Is it commissions? Is it hourly? Is it salary? Are there benefits? Is there health insurance? Is there a retirement account? Are there little fringe things that you do? Are you giving vacation time? And what does that look like? And all of that, I think, in my experience, can be very different depending on whether we're talking administrative support versus salespeople. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that. But essentially, what are the job roles? What are the functions? What are the expectations? What is the comp plan? And then that's going to flow right into everything else financial. Basically, having a business plan or what I would say like a pro forma, like, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, I just mean having all the numbers written down of basically how much money are you bringing in? How much money is going to people on the team? How much money is going to your expenses? What's left over at the end? What's the profit? And Does that work for you? And I really hope that you can listen to these episodes and avoid some mistakes and make sure you don't pass go until you have all of this kind of situated. Because when you do, team building can be so fruitful and a huge solution to some of the biggest challenges we have as agents. Time, loneliness, a desire for camaraderie, a desire to build, a desire for more meaning than just doing it for yourself having more freedom, growing, expanding, pursuing new opportunities. All of that, in my experience, is easier to do with people helping you. But you do want to have some real clarity and have your ducks in a row, as I like to say, (laughs) before you just start shooting at the hip. In case you missed it, High Performance Agent Academy is officially open for new students and we start on May 1st. Do you feel frustrated by making slow progress, sick of your systems and CRM being a mess, lonely and tired of figuring out how to grow your business on your own, and are you ready for a breakthrough in your sales, marketing, and lead generation? First of all, you're not alone. I have been there, and I've blazed the trail to solve all of those problems. I've assembled every single system, template, and marketing strategy I use so you can copy and paste them right into your business. If you're ready to transform everything about your real estate business, this is your golden opportunity. I will walk alongside you for the rest of 2024 and help you plug these systems directly into your business. And we will customize every element to your market, your brand, your voice, and your goals. High Performance Agent Academy starts on May 1st, and I don't want you to miss the boat. 
Head to the show notes to get the link or DM me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo and I'll send you everything you need. See you in the academy. So first things first, you've listened to episode one and perhaps you've made incredible notes (laughs) and really started to define what your value proposition is. And what I want you to do is we're going to go back through the pieces of the value proposition and basically look at who is doing or providing each aspect of that. And that's really going to flow into your job descriptions and expectations for what each person is going to do. So first, I'm going to talk administrative for just a minute or so here of if you're at the beginning of the team building journey, it almost always makes sense to start with getting your administrative support in order. So whether we're talking listing management, contract to closing, or all the other systems, ops, checklists, tools, all of that, there are a lot of ways to tackle that. Like a lot of agents, when they're building in the beginning, don't even want to bring on someone at a salary or an hourly rate. They just want like contract to close support that they pay per transaction, which is a great way to get your feet wet. But maybe you've gotten to a point where you really want someone in-house who can do a whole lot more and is responsive throughout all of the day or most of the day or can really start also checking your email and returning messages. So that's the first thing is what's up with your administrative support? What can you afford comfortably to bring someone in? And I think about my trajectory with team building. It was so gradual. Early on, I knew I wanted to have at least an assistant because the person that I got into the industry with, I was her assistant and I saw how great that was for her. And I really enjoyed being an assistant. I learned a lot. It was a great job when I was in college. So anyway, I started off with an intern. Like I graduated from school in 2007 and I started building my business right away. And I'm pretty sure I brought my first intern on within a year of that. And it was unpaid. And like I talked about this a lot in the prior episode, but you really want to keep it real with people of what's in it for them. What are they going to get out of this arrangement? And like early on, it was like, okay, like I need someone to help me with my marketing. I'm actually really good at marketing. So I'm going to teach you how to do this stuff. And you're going to get exposure to the real estate industry. You can shadow me if you want. And I will bring you along for the marketing piece of my business. And you'll learn a lot and you'll get school credit and I'll fill out the forms. And that was the first thing that I did. And then when I needed more support, my first assistant, I believe I brought her on three hours a day, five days a week. And there was an hourly rate that I actually can't remember what it is anymore. (laughs) Not that it matters. It was long ago. Things have changed. But it was. I basically just ran the numbers. What can I afford to pay someone? week by week, month by month, where I know that I can afford it and it'll be, I'm not like in some situation where like the seasonality of my business would present a lot of issues. And then I remember having a conversation with her about going full time. And I think at the time it didn't actually work for her to go full time. So then I went and hired someone to be my full time assistant. And by then I was like ready to commit to more of a salary, time off, not like a crazy level of benefits, but I basically figured out what I could do. And then I helped her get her license, another like point of value for her. And then I was really cooking. My business was really taking off because I did build my infrastructure and my lead gen systems and all of that like gradually over time. And then I went like full force team building, which is more like what I'm geared to talking about today. But I just, I paint that picture because each phase of that administrative support It was a different job description, different level of expectations, different level of training, different compensation plan and amount, 
that was tailored to what that job was at the time. So first things first, do you need administrative support or a different kind? Do you need to level up the way I've described? And then start to document, you know, what the key things are that they would do every day or every week or however it is that your business is structured. So I would say everything for listings, contract to closing, systems, marketing, you name it. That's if I were to draw columns and you could see that would be like on the left side of the paper. And then on the right side of the paper would be everything from the sales side, like a buyer agent or just an agent partner. There's so many different ways people team build. Like Gary Keller's Millionaire Real Estate Agent book is a good reference book about team building. The only thing about it that's a bummer is it was published in 2000 and hasn't been updated. A lot of what's in it makes a lot of sense. A lot of it is super dated, but it does have some of the best like documented thought processes and budgets and a lot of like that's really like the template that I use to build my team. The way that book is written is it's really into having bringing someone in to work with buyers and then you still work with listings. And the reason for that is financially, that is the best way to scale your business is to focus on listings, delegate buyer work, reclaim time that you normally spend in the field running around showings. And that's two things, right? A, you're reclaiming time overall, but B, you tend to reclaim some of that high value time, your nights, your weekends, and you can repurpose that time, whether it's back into growing your business or just back into yourself and your personal life. Now, in more recent times, there's way more of a trend to have agents on your team work both buyers and sellers and give them more freedom and flexibility. And that's really been the approach that I've taken. But early on, I scaled by letting go of buyers first. And the people, my initial buyer agents who worked with me, that really benefited them too, because I gave out all of my buyer leads. I actually made like the cold turkey decision that I was just going to stop working with buyers, even my own family members, (laughs) and that I was going to focus only on listings. And let me tell you, that mental commitment and focus I doubled my business that year. I went from 15 to 32 million in the year 2014. I'll never forget it. It was such a wild ride. Very hard work, but also exhilarating to really scale because I had a plan and the plan worked and I brought great people in and they worked hard and they did their part and I documented a lot and really just started to run a business instead of a practice. And that's possible for you too. And it might look really different. Like the vibe of my team now is not nearly as like high velocity and aggressive. And that really suits me and the people that currently work with me at this juncture. The 2023 Tina is different than the 2014 Tina. That's a whole other podcast. But basically, I want you to start thinking about these things. Like who, if you're going to bring agents in, what's up with all of that? Like where are the leads coming from? and so on and so forth. So I'm going to walk you through the things to think about when you're defining the job descriptions for the agents on your business. And whether that's just bringing in one buyer agent, or you're going to hire a bunch of people at once, or whatever the case may be, you do want to think about these things. Like number one, leads. Are you giving leads out? Or are you expecting them to generate all of their own leads? Or is it a blend? And how much? Are you giving them about half of the leads that you kind of project? Or maybe just a smattering of like you're just a little bit of overflow. You want to be really real with that and then run numbers off of that, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Other things you want to think about that are paired with the job, like the expectations would be the compensation plan side of that. Are you going to compensate differently 
if it's a lead you gave them versus a lead that they went out and sourced from their sphere or their open house or their door knocking or their fill in the blank. Do you want to have a distinction there and why or why not? And do you want to have a distinction between how you compensate for a buyer versus a seller lead? For example, in my view, the buyer side of the deal, at least the way my team is structured, is there's a lot more on the agent where they're out doing all the showings, they're at the inspection, they're putting a lot of time into field work. On the listing side, they're also putting time, but not as much because in my team, we have it set up where there's really heavy administrative support. We pay for the photography, we pay for the signage, we handle everything staging, we even have a designated team member meet appraisers a lot of the time. So it's a little bit less time intensive and we compensate at a lower rate than for a buyer deal. There is no wrong way to do any of this, but you want to think about it (laughs) and look at like that everyone's output from both a time and a financial aspect and an overhead aspect and have a compensation plan that addresses that and makes sense and is win-win for everyone. Uh, Again, I talked about this in part one, but you also really want to evaluate the quality and type and source of the leads that your agents are working. Because if you are, there's a lot of different models for lead generation. And depending on what your model is, that's really going to impact the kind of agent you hire and the kind of agent who's going to want to be part of your team. And let me give you an example. Say you are someone that sources a lot of leads from Facebook or online portals or Ylopo or a lot of the places where you might get leads that are just at a lower conversion rate. Typically, you're then going to need an agent who's down with that. (laughs) And by down with that, I mean they are okay spending a few hours per day in the CRM, probably on a headset, calling through and doing a lot of follow-up, a lot of follow-up and being really consistent with that and sticking with that no matter whether it's rainy or they're tired or something popped up that morning and really working through that. And then paired with that, you want to bring on someone who not only is down to do that, but has the skill set to do it or you have the training in place, or you have an inside sales agent in place to help them nurture these leads. Maybe you need a good CRM, a dialer. (laughs) Like That is one model. On the flip side, if you're like me and you just work all like, nothing's easy in real estate, right? Am I right? You're probably nodding your head, but it's a lot easier to work with someone who just worked with you five years ago and isn't going to interview anyone else. And the rest of the job is very hard still, like finding houses for our buyers. But at the end of the day, the conversion rates are way higher. It's often a friendlier dynamic, a lot more immediate rapport, way less follow-up. Someone reaches out and says, oh, I'm ready to move up. Like, It doesn't take 85 follow-ups to set a listing appointment to come out to their house and get things rolling. It's easier. Therefore, you know, the agents that are working with you, like what is the quality and the source of the leads and what are they going to need to do to get the deals done? What expectations and accountability are you going to have to help them succeed and make sure that the leads get converted, especially if it's leads coming from you and not them just working whatever they can source on their own where you just don't have as much personal skin in the game. Like in my model, I share all of my book of business with my agents and help them build their own gradually. I've tended to attract people who are newer to the business and really like working for a team that provides leads. So for me, I have a couple hot buttons, like response time is really big, especially like early on to just acknowledge right away, get the appointments set right away. 
And then it's about providing really quality support and guidance to the client. And and that's all. Like I have found that the level of the kind of people that stick with me long term and that my clients appreciate, they're like ninja level, smart, really dedicated people and do not come along every day. So I found for me that like a small, tight team of super high caliber agents is what works in my model. Otherwise, I struggle. The clients aren't satisfied. The retention and the referrals aren't as strong. And everything really works together in a symbiotic relationship. So you want to have a lot of clarity around that. Build your job descriptions, your expectations, and your compensation in alignment with that. And then the other pieces of just looking at what you're going to give your agents and what the comp plan is going to look like, you want to look at like how great is your admin support? Is it an outsourced TC that is just managing like a basic checklist of the bare minimum? Or is it someone in-house who is like doing everything for them, even maybe checking their email or covering for them when they're on vacation? Like how, like, I wish I could, what is the right word that I'm like searching for? Like how bespoke is it? How like full soup to nuts is the admin support? Because there's admin support, but then there's the question of quality. On a scale of one to 100, (laughs) what is the quality of the support that they're going to experience and how much is it going to leverage them so that they can go do other things and just really have the peace of mind that they never have to worry about drafting a contract again or that they're always going to get really consistent reminders about their deal deadlines? You can define this for your own business. But if you're if you really rock at that, that has value and you want to communicate that up front, make sure that is being delivered to your people. And then you know that that creates a lot more value for agents than being more like you're on your own situation. And then I would say the same thing for everything else with marketing operations and systems. Are you marketing for your agents? Are you just doing it for them and taking it off their plate? Or are you helping them do it and teaching and training them? I would assign those two different levels of value depending on their sensibilities and yours. And then same thing with your systems and your marketing. Are you paying for a bunch of stuff on their behalf? Are you paying for a high quality CRM? Are you paying for every closing gift, all the other gifts? Are you coordinating the photography? Are you providing the lock boxes, the signage, the folders, the business cards, or are they filling in a lot of those gaps? As you start to write all that down, A, that's going to feed your budget, which is what we're about to talk about in a second. And B, that's going to help you define the value they're getting and help people understand what they're getting into and what their net's going to be after they pay a team split and whatever expenses they have to run their business, which typically when you join a great team as an agent, if the team is really providing a lot of the things I've just talked about, as the personal agent, you have a high like overall profit margin because Hopefully, you're just paying for gas and your cell phone and keeping your license active. And then the team is maybe covering a whole lot. And that's like a whole risk-reward conversation. So I know like there, there's so much more that goes into this. And you probably want a template for your job description and all of that. And quite frankly, that is what my High Performance Agent Academy is really for, is to help people take this high-level information I'm talking to and take it to the next level. But at a minimum, I want you to start to write some of this down and start to define what it would look like to bring an agent into your team, what they would do, what you would do, what the compensation plan would look like. And then we're going to flow that into the money, the business plan. So there are so many mistakes that I see agents make on the money side of things. 
and really just team building in general. Like I hear a lot of agents want to start a team for emotional reasons. And by the way, emotional reasons are valid, like for all of our life decisions, in my opinion. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you see that other people are doing it. Maybe it just seems like the right thing to do. This is what successful people do. And like, I think real estate can be really lonely to do on your own. I That was probably underlying what drove a lot of me wanting to have support and camaraderie from the very beginning. But the issue that I see is maybe people not being real with themselves about that and doing it too early. They want to solve their loneliness problem, but they don't have abundant overflow yet. They don't have an abundant overflow of too many leads or my admin has extra time in the day or I have a lot of extra time to mentor someone. So you want to assess your abundant overflow versus your needs. So that would be one thing. Another thing, and this isn't a money thing, but a a big mistake I see is being so busy that you should have started a team a long time ago or hired an admin or better admin or whatever. And then by the time you start, you're too busy to train people. They don't succeed. They quit or you fire them. You have this like turnover disillusionment cycle that can repeat itself. And that's like a whole other conversation on mindset and what you're really going to do about it. But that is something I see as like the biggest, one of the biggest sources of teams that don't really stick and stay together. Another big one, and I have committed this sin repeatedly, and I've, I think I have finally really <laughs> gotten my head on straight. But the, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is expecting as the team owner that your team members are going to be just as committed and hardworking and bought in as you are. It's so rare to have team members that have an owner mindset because if they had an owner mindset, they would probably want to start their own team and own it. So this can manifest as being way too hard on people or just having really unrealistic expectations. This is just like a silly example, but I see a lot of team owners who expect their admins to be like wildly passionate about lead gen. And I'm like, that is so dumb. If someone joins my team as an admin, I want them to rock it admin. And if they're passionate about lead generation, like what a wonderful piece of icing on the cake, (laughs) but a piece of icing that didn't make sense. But, But like, it's icing on the cake. That's not why I filled the role. I filled the role because I want them to live for checklists and details and supporting being a team player, not being a rainmaker. So those are some of the other things that aren't totally money related, but like they are some of the biggest mistakes where people form teams before the pro forma is there. And then the profit just does not make any sense. But the biggest mistake I've seen is not having a business plan and not being clear on what the value proposition is, what those things cost, who does what, and what are reasonable splits for everybody where everyone's making money and successful and things are working and making more sense for them. So I want to break down if you've never done a pro forma for building a team, there is a great section, again, in the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book on that. So I would encourage you to refer to that. I also break this down a lot for my academy students. But there's four kind of key line items in your business budget. The top of the line is what we would call top line revenue or top line income. In our industry, we call that gross commission income. So that is like the total dollars, let's talk in a year, that your team or practice brings in, which would be sale price times commission rate times units equals gross commission income, top line revenue. Then from there, if you decide to form a team, The next thing underneath that is what we call cost of goods sold, which is like a weird term because it doesn't apply that well to the real estate industry. 
But what cost of goods sold is referring to is commissions that would paid out be paid out. This would be any percentage of the deal that is paid out, whether you're paying a buyer agent X percent, a listing agent, or maybe even a referral fee to an agent from another state who sent you the, the deal. All of those percentages are cost of goods sold or commissions paid out. So that is the next chunk of money that comes out from your team. And if you aren't used to having agents work for you, that percentage is probably zero or a small amount of money when you have a referral fee here and there. That is what is going to impact your profitability massively as a team owner and why agent splits and compensation is such an important thing to think through and plan through and have it make sense for everyone. Have there be an abundant overflow where if you're cutting someone in on a deal, you can still eat after everyone's been paid, which is really where this whole conversation is going. The third bucket in your budget is what we call expenses. This would be all your other expenses that are more fixed as opposed to the commissions, which are like variable or per deal. And expenses is a huge list of things. Fixed salaries, hourly employees, contract labor, marketing, lead gen, advertising, office space, training, dues, fees, lock boxes, <laughs> all the stuff that you know helps you get your deals done and client gifts, you name it. And again, the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book does outline this really well. So you want to get your expenses basically line itemed out of, okay, it cost me X thousands of dollars to run my business. And you want to really start to build this expense budget off of if you're supporting team members and providing certain services, you want to start to budget like, oh, if I'm going to pay for her gifts too, then that's really this many transactions and all of that. None of it's rocket science. I've actually found it's my budgeting is so on lock after doing it for so long. I have my reference numbers from all the prior years, and I just project based on what's going to happen this year or my best guess, because that's really what projecting is, educated guessing, and then adjusting along the way and kind of tracking and monitoring. And you just start to figure this stuff out. It doesn't have to be a mystery. It does not have to be like super heavy and emotional. It can be really factual. But you want to know, what are my expenses? And then you've got profit. So you basically got your gross commission income at the top. You subtract the commissions you've paid out. You subtract all your other expenses. And what's left is your net profit. That's how much money you keep when all is said and done. And that may or may not include paying yourself a salary. That is a whole other conversation. So we're going to just leave that on the side. But that is how the money works in building a team. And when you start a team, you want to be able to project what those numbers look like with team members as opposed to being solo. So one thing I often help people do at the beginning is just figure out what your gross commissions would even be with the team plan that you think you're going to have. So you basically want to say, okay, I'm going to sell this many homes this year, roughly. It's going to be this average sale price, roughly, and this average commission rate, roughly. (laughs) So let's say my average sale price is 500,000. My average commission rate is blank. That is this many dollars per deal. I think I'm going to do 40 deals. So X times Y equals gross commissions. And then from there, you really need to get clear on the cost of goods sold or your agent commissions. And I don't want to muddy the waters with too many examples, but here's one way to look at it. Say you're like, okay, I've got admin support already. And by the way, that's already line itemed out in my budget and my fixed expenses. I'm going to bring a buyer agent in. 
And I'm expecting to hand 10 deals to them from my sphere in the next year. And I'm going to focus more on listings. And I'm expecting that these 10 deals will all be on the buyer side. And that's going to cost me about this many dollars if I put them on this kind of split. Simple example, maybe you expect to generate $100,000 in buyer side commissions in the next year. And you're expecting to put someone on a 50% split and pay out $50,000 to them. That would be your cost of goods sold. And that's the really key thing to hone in on in your pro forma for your team. And I often recommend that you build like a conservative sort of worst case scenario on production, and then not like pie in the sky, but like a better case scenario. And then maybe you can do pie in the sky, and that can be your trajectory of what it looks like at different tiers of production. Because what's interesting is your fixed expenses are often going to stay about the same. The commissions will increase and the gross commissions will increase and your profitability can increase as you scale in more and more units, depending on how you build and how you manage your expenses. But you really want to be able to see what that spectrum of profit's going to be to make sure that you're going to be profitable enough at the end to feel satisfied and successful. And also, is this person that you're bringing into your team, are they are they good with this projection? Does that work for them and their bills and their situation? And how does their own production factor in on top of the amount of deals that you anticipate being able to give them? So again, this is some higher level stuff as far as like budgeting, projecting, <laughs> diving into some spreadsheets, all that good stuff. So I just want to give you some things to think about. I think it's just critical that you start to commit some of this to writing, get this stuff figured out and organized, written down, and then do that gut check. Does this make sense for me? And then can I communicate this to someone before I hire them in the interview process of what this is going to look like so they can think about it and make an educated decision on their end? And then that's the soul searching part. Like bringing agents in on commission changes your net profit as a team owner a lot depending on where the leads are coming from and how they're being distributed. And and again, being real that most agents do join teams hoping to get leads. So you just want to know what that's going to look like, communicate that. And if you have no idea where to start with this, my best pro tip is to go back and run last year's production numbers that you did solo and then basically have a copy of that But then do a second version of it if you had a team member or admin support. What would your profit have been then? And what would your quality of life have been then as well? And how do you feel about that? Like, I think that can be like a really simple and illuminating exercise. And if the numbers don't make sense, don't proceed. Back up, reach out to a coach, a consultant, someone in your market, or not even someone in the industry who's been there, done that, and run through these numbers and figure out what do you need to adjust to be able to go on this team building journey. And there are so many ways to hack leverage and team member support that aren't the highest ticket. And the highest ticket kind of support is paying commissions. There are a lot of other ways to have people help you out from an hourly and a salary standpoint that can be a lot more stable and profitable. So that is where knowing your numbers and your intentions and motives and needs at a really deep level can make a huge difference. So I just want to say thank you for hanging out with me and powering through maybe the least sexy part of it, which is numbers and expectations. In the final episode of this series, we're going to talk more about finding the right people. So I can't wait to jump into that with you. 
Thanks again for hanging out with the High Performance Agent Podcast, and I will chat with you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Performance Agent Podcast. Make sure to subscribe by hitting the follow button so you don't miss the next episode. And check the show notes for links to all of my goodies, including my newsletter filled with tips for ambitious agents. You can also find me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo. Talk to you soon.